Hello everyone and welcome to another awesome episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Today we're talking a little bit about investments at Cisco. Yes. So uh, I'll have each of you go around. We've got Rob, we've got David, we've got Jeff. Uh, Rob, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? Uh, well, welcome everyone. My name is Rob Silvano. Um, I lead the investment and M&A platform here at Cisco. Uh, Lauren, I, I think I have the best job here at Cisco because... Uh, I will argue with you that I have the best job, but go ahead. <laughs> I get to spend, my team gets to spend half its time sort of outside of the company scouting for the most interesting startups and technologies. We often invest in those to get a lens in terms of where the world is going. And then of course, Cisco has been one of the most active acquirers out there as well. So we use that to supplement all the great innovation that's happening internally and go out and make huge impact as a result of our M&A strategy. So just being part of that effort, uh, having the team that we do to go after it, it's uh, it's so much fun. So you get to spend money. I get to spend money. That's awesome. I do get to spend money. <laughs> All right, I well, have to. I have to ask for the permission to spend that money. Uh, but you but anyway yes. spend, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not that like you true. just walk into a bar of uh, startups and like, here's fifty k. <laughs> All right, so sorry, I'm getting off top. David, who are you? What do you do? Oh uh, well, my name is David Penalosa. I work as a lead network consulting engineer for Verizon in Czech Republic, and our role as a network consulting engineer is to support our customers in the development of their solutions and trying to design it, propose. Well, propose improvements and, and well help them when everything is you know going haywire. Um, uh, I work uh, with SD WAN daily, Bibdala, and uh, well, here we are. If you're gonna find me on Twitter, it's uh, David Samuel PS. I'm kind of spammer, so just you know, I'm just giving you a spoiler alert just in case. And David, what is your superpower? Well. For those at home that don't see, he has a cape on. Well, they can't see because this is going to be audio yeah, only. So, yeah. yeah, well, there are some pictures going around. So Actually, we don't get to have slides. But how about this? Jeff, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> Uh, Jeff Levensailer, I'm a OG Cisco champion <laughs> and DevNet creator and uh, senior consulting engineer at Presidio Network Solutions, working out of the Los Angeles office. Fantastic. All right, Rob, I forgot to ask your Twitter handle if you are on the Twitters. Yes, I am. It is at Salvano. All right. So everyone at home can now internet stalk you. That's right. But so while we're thinking of that, you want to give us kind of an overview of like, what's your day to day like? Sure. You know, it's within corporate development, again, we have these two unique tools, the investment capability and the acquisition capability. Think about investments is what plugs us into the startup ecosystem. And the idea is there's a lot of exciting innovation that is happening outside of the company, really driven by just the billions and billions of dollars that's going into the venture capital community. So when Cisco looks at that, we see an opportunity and we see an opportunity to participate in that outside innovation. So one piece of, of what we do is essentially we are one of the most active corporate venture capitalists on the market today. So that's my company? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, and and this is something we've been doing for some time. So uh, we've been an active investor for over 25 years. You know, on average, we're investing $200 million plus every year. The way to think about that is we're investing off the balance sheet. We're investing, you know, between three, four, five million dollars on average into these startup companies. As a result of that investment, we often have a position on the board and we use that position to essentially get the insight in terms of what's happening with that particular startup. And um, if you if you think about it further, we're doing this uh, at scale. So we're investing up and down the IT stack. We're investing in hardware stuff like optics. We're investing in infrastructure solutions like security. We're investing in IoT and applications. And look, innovation is global, right? It's not just about Silicon Valley. It's not just about the US. We have a global approach to our investment strategy as well. So we're investing across America, across APJ, across Europe, China. 
China, Israel. So wherever innovation may be occurring, we're trying to put Cisco in the best position to see it. So, so. how many countries do you visit typically in a year? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I have a I have a worldwide team of uh, about 45 people. Um, wow. A third of that team is outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. in some of the regions uh, I just spoke about. So um, we often travel to all of those regions I mentioned, uh, given that's where we have team members, that's where we see activity. If you look at where we actually have investments, I think the latest count is we have investments in somewhere north of 40 countries today. So awesome. that goes well beyond where we have people as well. That's really awesome. He gets to travel all around the world and then spend money. D- don't you have... Don't you... I, I could use a cape maybe. I could get around a little bit faster. I think, totally. totally. I can borrow mine. Uh, don't you have these kind of jokes like, you know, Rob walks into a bar and he buys it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> So what's just, can you tell us about some of your more exciting recent investments? Sure. You know, uh, on the investment side, we're trying to do two things. We're trying to invest in areas that Cisco's in today, right? Those are, you know, we're here at Cisco Live. Those are all the areas that you're hearing about. Security, collaboration, cloud, data center. We're spending also part of our time though, investing in things that may be over the horizon, right? Uh, Things such as augmented reality, right? Machine learning, drones. And so that gives us a really unique perspective, both in terms of what's happening today and what may, may be happening in the future. Um, you were asking though, what are some of our kind of more exciting investments? Uh, there's a bunch that we can speak of. You know, one I would uh, bring up is a company called Cohesity. So Cohesity is in the secondary storage space. Um, why are we excited about it? Well, secondary storage first, it's a gigantic market. So really big market. It's a market that hasn't seen a lot of change. So it's sort of ripe for disruption. Cohesity is coming in with a completely new approach, mm-hmm. really powered by a team that's that's unrivaled. The, the founder of Cohesity uh, started Nutanix. Before that, they started the Google file system. So mm-hmm. backed by a super team. And they're actually working pretty closely with Cisco too. Yeah, uh, we like them because we have a Cisco champion who actually works there. There you go. But keep going, sorry. There you go. Yeah. So Cohesity, uh, they've got solutions together with UCS, with Hyperflex. And so that's not only exciting in terms of them being a disruptor within a really big market, you can also see the, t- the tie back to Cisco and Cisco and Cohesity combined are bringing these solutions to our customers as well. So that's sort of an example where investment benefits what we can learn. It benefits what Cisco can deliver and also benefits what our customers and partners can benefit from. Gotcha. Yeah, we we actually had a podcast with them a year ago in the previous Cisco Live and it was like the product is the best thing ever after sliced bread. It was (laughs) pretty much the output. Yeah, you know, just just to give you a a sense (laughs) of kind of backing that comment up, you know, we today have investments in over 120 20 portfolio companies. I would say Cohesity's uh, at near the top, if not the fastest growing company of all those 120. Uh, and that says a lot because wow. we invest in basically startups that are focused on growth. Wow, that's really awesome. So how do you decide to decide what's, what it's really like attractive enough to, well, now I want to keep it, right? Yeah. Because first it's like just, you know, it's like, it's like having when money. When you put a and ring like, on it. Yeah. So when you guys really like get there. Yeah. Think of it as a, think of it as almost like a, a confidence level mm-hmm. type of uh, mentality, right? Okay. So on the investment side, we're investing in areas that are often emerging, right? And so, you know, we don't know how it's going to play out necessarily. Something may be a perfect fit. Something may not work out. Somebody may be trying to develop a new technology that either does work and it becomes the next big thing or it doesn't work. That is okay uh, when you're investing one, two, three, four, five million dollars. On the acquisition front, it's sort of, okay, we believe in it. We have conviction. We think the market is happening. 
happening or we think we can make that market. Now it's time for Cisco to actively participate. And to do that, right, we want to control the IP, we want to control the destiny of the company. We believe that Cisco can often be a platform to accelerate this, right? The classic scenario is we take a company, we put it together with a Cisco architecture, and then we sell it through our go-to-market. That is a great way to take something that's emerging and really make it ubiquitous. But you have to have that confidence that it's the right time in the market, it's the right company uh, in order to take advantage of that. Yeah, so one of my favorite acquisitions, Meraki. Meraki, yes. Yeah, so I just, I love what Cisco has done with Meraki. It's almost kind of an island within Cisco. It's, we we know Todd Nightingale is a rock star. He's still the head of that. He kind of uh, has some autonomy, but it's still a Cisco product. Can you, can you talk about once Cisco acquires a company, what that looks like as far as merging that into the portfolio? What yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to use this opportunity to call Todd Nightingale out because he lost a bet to me and I'm still waiting for my two bottles of scotch so <laughs> what type of scotch this is a this is a plug it's his choice so okay. uh, we'll see what he shows okay. up with okay now it's public meraki <laughs> yeah it's it's on the public record now meraki <laughs> has been one of our most successful acquisitions ever um and i think it is indicative of what we're trying to look for right uh, when meraki was coming up we saw that they were developing a new approach which they started calling cloud networking and when we decided to move on the acquisition um, i wouldn't call it an island I would say that we look at integration with our acquisitions in multiple different ways. You know, it's not one size fits all. And right. I think Meraki was the classic case. There was aspects about how Meraki did business, its operations, its go-to-market model, its uh, demand gen engine. Those things were great things about it. And Meraki, you know, and, and Todd is an example, has a very strong culture of its own, right? So the question when we acquired one was how on one side can we add scale from a Cisco perspective. But before we do that, let's be mindful of the things that Meraki represents that are great. And let's see how we can leverage those, right? Um, one story that people don't know a lot is Cisco uh, had essentially almost moved out of the city of San Francisco prior to the Meraki acquisition, right? When we did Meraki, we thought it was so important to maintain a presence there. We wanted to make that a priority for the acquisition. If you fast forward to today, we now have thousands thousands of employees in San Francisco focused on all the latest technologies, right? Software, cloud, developer-centric pieces. And uh, and Meraki was really the foundation for that resurgence in San Francisco. Okay, I, I do really understand that when you guys are deciding on investment on, on, on maybe on a future now, uh, you guys have tried to follow the line of what you are having on your pipeline, what, what is aligned with your own interest. But what about when you're acquiring or you're investing in something which is not necessarily in your core? What about things that are just away? How did you decide to, well, contribute on something which is not necessarily well aligning with Cisco's line of thought, with Cisco's vision at this point? Yeah, that, it's a great question. Um, I think there's two directions you can take that. You know, one direction is when we invest in companies that are not on our space, like what, what does Cisco have to offer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it, it can be obvious if we invest in a security company, you know, like Exabeam or a data center company like Cohesity. But what if we invest outside of that, right? Uh, great example. We invested in a drone company called Kespri, right? Now, is Cisco 
in the drone business? We're not in the drone business. Uh, are we going to get into the drone business in the next few years? Probably not. I'm, I'm, I'm safe to say that. Uh, <laughs> but so, so why are we into drones, right? Well, what we saw was a number of our customers in specific verticals, areas like mining, were using drones to fundamentally change the way they did business. And that's really interesting. So even though Kespri may be kind of outside of something that Cisco's in today, what we did find is in taking Kespri into some of these customers and being able to have a conversation with how Cisco and Kespri can actually help them go about doing their business differently, that's a very different conversation, right? So that's an example of even when something is sort of outside of our core, where there's opportunities to engage. Uh, in this case, something that I think directly benefited our customers as well. So what's something, we talked to Tesh about the, the process that you go through when you look at companies and you really bring Cisco in from the inside and talk to the BUs and they right. get feelers of like gaps within the product line that they're looking for to put feelers out there in the open market. So you seem very passionate about technology. Uh, is it this process driven thing or is there like an X factor when you look at companies? Is it like, I like that CEO, I'm going to. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, a couple different things. I think from a corp dev mentality, we pride ourselves in being able to bring an outside in perspective into Cisco. So that's number one. So the question is, how do you do that? Right. You do that by spending time outside of Cisco with startups, et cetera. But ultimately what we're trying to do is benefit Cisco. So it also has a very collaborative aspect, which is we do want to work closely with the business units and what have you. What I tell people is you got to have conviction. You have to have conviction behind your ideas. And so we enable that by essentially asking our team to focus on certain areas. So if you look at how my team is set up in the US, they're focused around the priority areas that Cisco talks about. Security, collaboration, big data, cloud. So as a result, if you take one of my team members, they spend all day in security. And so by doing that, they better have a perspective. Right, uh, and if you if you bring the two those two concepts together, so one they're spending a lot of their time outside meeting with the security startups, and they're meeting they're spending the other half of their time with the security business unit, right? G and Jeff Reed and the rest of that team, and they're bringing those things together where you have to have credibility on both sides. Here's what I see happening outside. Here's what I see happening inside, and if they have credibility and conviction, that's what gives us the seat at the table to perhaps yep. drive an investment or drive in an acquisition. Doing this over and over, you've gathered this process and you've kind of fine-tuned it to where that's actually like the secret sauce of Cisco, right? You know exactly how to find the innovators and bring them into the fold. It's not new for you. You've been doing it for... Wasn't 28 years already? Yeah, yeah, but how, how did you get involved in our investments team? Sure. Let me let me hit your question okay. and I'm going to comment on your piece too. So it's a, I think it's a combination of unstructured and structured. So the unstructured aspect is okay what do you do tomorrow there's no there's no script for that right you spend time with customers you spend time with the business unit you spend time with startups and you hope to develop a perspective that's a fairly unstructured approach the structured piece is we do have a way of approving investments we do have a way of approving acquisitions um, and I think the fact that you know we've been doing this um, again for 25 plus years you just kind of it, it just becomes part of the fabric of what we do um, I, I think extending that thought out further I think it's part of Cisco's culture right I mean I have a team of 45 people. Cisco's 70,000 people. I think everybody feels that things like M&A are part of what we do. Yeah, I think it's 
to lack of a better analogy, it's like dating and you're asking questions on a first date and you like find all these, uh, I imagine I didn't go through the whole uh, app dating thing. I was. Oh, I did. You did. Yeah. So yeah. you lo- you locked in a lot earlier. Is so that what I, I locked yeah. in earlier before this this whole tech boom of uh, <laughs> OK Cupid and whatever else, but or Tinder. OK Cupid, how I met my husband. Oh, Creepy, really? I know. Yeah. That's really awesome. Okay, right. TMI. Sorry. Let's go on. With well, your what I was getting at is it, it's probably after a while. I mean, if you're, I guess if you're good at it, then it's not a while. But some people, like some of my good friends, have been on it for over a year. Year. So it's probably to a point you just have a date and it's like the same question, the same interview. It's an interview process. And it may be, an, you know, at the danger of like getting the analogy very wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I actually look at that as being unstructured, which is, you know, I guess you could do a hundred dates and ask your, your, your hundred rates the same first question. I would say that the unstructured side of it is if you just spend time going on a hundred dates, you're just going to learn a lot of stuff, right? And you're going to have a natural direction for how to think about it. And I think that natural direction direction is kind of what we've built up uh, a, a muscle around because we've been doing it for so long. So another question then would be, how do you see Cisco going forward, right? Because right now, as you get to pick, you know, kind of where to spend the money, then where are you guys looking at it right now? You know, it's, uh, I wouldn't say that we determine the future of Cisco. That's that's not what we do. We're trying mm-hmm. to accelerate the strategy. And uh-huh. the strategy is something that, you know, all of Cisco owns, right? We've got great uh, business unit leaders who are, you know, running multi-billion dollar businesses. We view them as partners where, look, if you're a GM and you can wake up and say, there's multiple ways I can think about this market. I can put my own R&D into it. I can maybe invest in some things that are emerging. And if I know something is happening and I need to get there faster, I know I can acquire. Like that's powerful. That's a powerful toolkit. Uh, and so we're really here to accelerate the strategy that Cisco has as opposed to to setting the strategy. Okay. So if you ask me, hey, where, you know, where are we going to see uh, M&A activity uh, in the future? I think you're going to see M&A activity activity across the areas that Cisco's already in, right? Areas like security and cloud and data center and networking. Those have all been super active. They're going to continue to be. And then every once in a while, we're also going to do an app dynamics and get into a new market that maybe we weren't in before. So that's how to think about it. Yeah. And a lot of these smaller, I think the sub 100 person company, they're able to move a lot faster. So talking about whether to do something internal versus external, you know, I I could see looking outside at somebody that's able to move a lot quicker and just gamble, really, they they gamble and you once they've found the right recipe, you can reach out to them versus internal. Yeah, you know, on on one aspect, um, they may be able to, I would say not necessarily innovate faster, but innovate differently, which is if you don't have the burden of existing customers or existing products to support, then all your development can be focused on future stuff. And if you're not a public company, then, you know, your ability to, to invest in an experiment is also just a, a different lens. So again, it, it opens up more avenues for us to think about innovation by being able to tap into that as opposed to saying, oh, wow, there's these private startups, they can move in a different way, but, you know, we can't access that. We've, we turn that thought around around and saying, that's a good thing. Let's participate in it. And for those that we really like, maybe we'll think about either partnering more closely or maybe even acquiring. So mergers and acquisitions is quite different under Chambers than, than Robbins. It, it's kind of went from this uh, 
you know, spin in of a, a tried and tested group of people to looking outward more, uh, more often. So can you talk a little bit about the differences? Or sure. What? And, uh, and I would describe it a little bit differently. So, um, John definitely was one of the, the pioneers behind the spin in concept and yeah. that played a, a role in some, some major moves that Cisco had made in it, in its history. Um, I would say the big difference with Chuck is not necessarily, uh, whether we do spin ins or not, because we've technically done spin ins under Chuck as well. Um, I think Chuck's approach to everything is a much different style uh, leader. And uh, and I like that style. You know, Chuck is a person that I've found that you can influence. Um, and I think he takes a lot of input um, when deciding where to go. And when you're in a corporate development role, right, when we talk about bringing that outside in perspective, what do we want? We want a receptive audience to say, okay, Rob, like, tell me what you're seeing in this space. And I'm only going to be one of a few inputs that he gets, but all those end up forming a perspective that then he makes a decision on. And so it's been a lot of fun to work with Chuck. Um, I had the opportunity to step into the leadership role of this team the same time that he moved into the CEO position. So we've been on- You grew up this, together. <laughs> we've been on this journey together for sort of four plus years now. And uh, and it's been great. Well, that's, that's actually important, right? Because I have heard many times in the past that if you don't listen to the people around you, eventually you will be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. So that's really good that you actually are listening to all the stuff that is happening in your environment then taking all the inputs and deciding when to take a step forward because okay th there's a difference between being bold and being careless so you need to really know where really the line is although sometimes it's mostly it's kind of blurry yeah I, I think if you look back over the acquisitions that we've done in the Chuck era I, I think you'll see how um, it's been multifaceted right um, one as Chuck came in I think he's always believed that there was an opportunity just to invest more in the core right and so if we're going to invest more in the core as a strategy, that also extends to M&A, right? So we've done M&A in core areas, right? Luxterra, which was in the silicon optics space, perfect example of that. Uh, number two, let's be make sure that we capture market transitions. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Um, and how are things like cloud affecting our different areas of business? Viptela. Viptela played directly into the cloud software-defined trend in the WAN. And we were decisive. We knew the market was moving, and we decided we needed to go after it. Three, we also need to be cognizant that maybe there are new markets that we need to move into. Those often are some of our larger acquisitions, our platform moves. You have to have conviction in order to do that. AppDynamics, $3.7 billion acquisition done. That was within Chuck's first, I think, year and a half, two years of being a CEO. So if you just use those examples as kind of a framework, you can see that Chuck has really embraced this capability. Yeah, super uh, excited about ways. that one and the whole software space. And, you know, we're not pushing boxes anymore it's you know if you if you there's uh if you listen to our earnings call if you listen to anything uh about cisco financially it's been this big focus transition towards software transition towards subscription if you look at m a relative to that you know we're not out there acquiring companies to essentially accelerate the business model um but since the startups that we're going after have to build things that are most relevant to today's business and model and what customers want the majority of the time they are software-centric companies with subscription business models. And so if you look at the subset of acquisitions we've done, they're basically all software companies, all SaaS-based from a, from a revenue component perspective. And so that only helps add to that overall direction we're transitioning to. Okay, uh, I, I have another, like, a plus to add there. Do you have, like, feeds coming in right now, for, like, getting ideas, you're paying people? <laughs> yeah, like, hey, no, no, gotta... no, no, not at all, actually. It just came to my mind after reading a couple Call of comments. Call a friend. 
<laughs> so the thing is that you're, you just mentioned some minutes ago that you're stepping into a leadership role, right? So my question would be then as a leader, because there, there is really important things as being a leader. One of them, well, most of them are really related with soft skills in which way you communicate with your team. So to the people who is listening, because well, not all of us are leaders. So how is this really mapping with your life, right? Sure. Because at home, you're not like, I'm going to take the risk of buying this brand. <laughs> like, I mean, in which way actually you, you, you map this into your, into your life? How do you improve it? Because you have to learn somehow, right? And it's not that I just woke Mentor up today. Mentor all of and... us right now. Yeah. yeah. No, no, because it's just good to share this also because you usually talk to people that it's already there, but how do you get there, right? Yeah. Look, I'm, uh, I, I've still got a lot to learn myself. Um, I'll tell you some of the things that I believe in and um, whether they're right or wrong, I think we'll, you know, I'll let other people judge that. But, you know, uh, one is I think you have to hire, I think you look to hire the right people and then give them a lot of room to do their job. Um, what that means to me is pushing out as much responsibility as possible, right? Mm -hmm. If I've heard, hired you as my security lead, I'm not going to tell you what to go look at in security. And I'm not going to go tell you what I think is the best security deal. I want you to come tell me that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think the, the first piece is hire the right people, give them a, a lot of room to run. I think that's important. Betting on people. I like to bet on people early. I've okay. had multiple opportunities. It's like you invest in them. Go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've Sorry. had, a lot, of, had a lot of opportunities where, you know, you've had senior people uh, move on from a role, which creates an opportunity to fill in with another senior person. I would say four times out of five when I've had those situations, I've bet on the junior person on that team. And it just gives people that opportunity to step up. So betting on someone, investing in someone, um, that's always that's always fun as well. I would think, I think the third component, uh, I don't know if this is a leadership aspect or or an expectation that I have of people is um, I do think it's great to be open-minded I do think you have to collaborate at the end I think you have to have conviction in what you believe in as well That's and when you're in a awesome. role like ours and you're trying to influence people first figure out what you believe in because uh, if you don't have a conviction around that how are you gonna go convince somebody else mm -hmm. that's really excellent right because there's a difference between having a boss and having a leader usually it's because your boss will just always just go this way but if you have somebody who is a leader or at least that's what I I think it's somebody who yeah who will be checking on you but it's totally your move and if you really are going for something and i can support you awesome just let me know it's but like intent-based leadership <gasps> okay sorry I'll, I'll... <laughs> so many puns here oh and all gosh. this okay <laughs> i interrupted you go ahead sorry, uh, yeah well sorry i was like so do, do companies typically reach out when they need funding to cisco or does cisco hunt them down or does it go yeah, both it's, ways um, it's kind of like if you're out there on the market and you've been doing it for a while it comes from all sources so one we know we generally have our eye on companies that we like maybe as part of that we're asking them hey when are you raising your next round or what have you so we find out that way number two people know we're an active investor so maybe they'll approach us uh that that could be the company directly number three there's also this big ecosystem right the venture capital community investment bankers um one part of our investment strategy is we've also invested in other vc firms to help cultivate some of those relationships and so we also often get referrals from the venture community as well who value you Cisco as a strategic investor that may be able to bring in something different than just a financial investor can. 
Okay. Then I don't know if we can squeeze something else out of Rob or. Oh, I have questions. Oh, <laughs> all right. There you let's go. go. So, it, so um, when you're investing in different regions, have you found that the I guess the interaction in Europe versus APAC is is different? How I mean, how yeah, how very they, very different. The regions okay. are all fairly different, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's similarities sort of across the board. So if I look at a place like the U.S., we're really investing in you know purely innovative opportunities. I would say the closest parallel to the U.S in Silicon Valley is Israel, right? Um, very similar entrepreneurial mindset. They're often even focused on areas like security, like data center, like cloud that have a high affinity with Cisco's focus. Um, then if you go to um, uh, other areas, right? If I look at a place like China, right? China represents um, a combination of, of opportunities for us. On one side, we are seeing more and more enterprise relevant innovation popping up. Um, I would say historically, a, a lot of what you've seen has been more consumer facing. So there's definitely been tons of innovation. Um, It has been more consumer focused versus enterprise. That is starting to change. Um, When you look at a region like China, though, it also represents an opportunity for us to perhaps partner with other companies, look at investment backed alliances, even joint ventures in certain cases where we're trying to just approach the business differently. And if we can use investments to help accelerate that, which aren't isn't necessarily about innovation, but maybe about a different way to go to market a different way to partner. Don't you always like, I think, have to partner with a local company in China? Uh, that is a, a lot of that is a theme. That okay. is definitely a theme I think theme that was there. the thing they did recently. Okay. So how do you guys on, on, on all this investment game, right, where I pull a little bit of, you know, I, I pull you to my side of the fence, but then I need to give in something, you know, we need to kind of meet on a major ground. How do you guys identify when it's a good moment for it? And when, when is an early stage for the investment? When is a late stage? When, when you know when it's ripe just to be harvested? Sure, sure. <laughs> You know, we're we're first and foremost a strategic investor. So uh, with that, you know, we're, we're bringing the mindset of it's about market learning. It's about aligning ourselves with where things may go. It's less about can I make money mm-hmm. um, now? Look, we're a public company. We have shareholders. We want to do the right thing from a fiduciary perspective. Mm-hmm. We generally believe if we invest in great companies, we're going to get a great strategic outcome, but also a great financial outcome. Um, right now, we're we invest we invest at all stages. Um, I would say Cisco Investments primarily has been companies sort of Series B and up, uh, and we recently launched uh, a new fund. I was just going to ask Decibel, yeah, right? Yeah, called Decibel. Boom. It's the first time that any major technology company has done this, but. We launched a independent venture fund focused exclusively on seed and series A opportunities. So that that opened up the aperture to investing in innovation at its earliest inception. Actually, you know, maybe when it's just an idea, right? So think about it. If you have some serial entrepreneur, they just sold their company, maybe they've been retired for a while, they're sitting in their living room figuring out like, hey, what do I want to do next? <laughs> well, uh, I got an idea. Okay, who who will give me some seed stage capital? Because it's just me and an idea. Well, Decibel will invest in something like that. So, you know, we're continuing. You know, if you think about if you think about innovation, if you think about technology, it's only the pace is only happening faster. And so what Decibel was is let's take all the great things that Cisco's doing already and let's just add more capabilities there. And in this case, it was really hitting that early stage capability really hard. So uh, we're really excited about what uh, Decibel adds to the equation. 
Yeah, speaking of uh, funding, you know, uh, the Innovation Fund with DevNet, uh, Partner Innovation Fund, I got to give a shout out to Jose Bogren. Won it last year, oh, Altus yeah. Consulting. Another Cisco champion. Go on. Another Go Cisco on. champion. <laughs> like shameless plug, but yeah. Yeah. So it's great. That's It's tapping into somebody that wouldn't necessarily be looking for funding through a typical avenue. It's just a partner that maybe they have some different... Uh, ways of integrating apps it's not necessarily productized but uh it's not their main focus but it's just giving them a little bit of and also they 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 used i think it was through devnet that they kind of evolved their business model too right which i think was a good example for other companies yeah it's in a way it's a it's actually a good example because jose is really like a total knockoff the guy is amazing Mm -hmm. but altus which is the partner he is working on it's a it's an amazing example of how you can just really change completely your business model the business model through innovation he literally just changed all the box by box approach and went straight to devnet Uh, before Mm -hmm. that he had some issues and suddenly when he put all these innovations and new stuff and coding and then bam it just made a complete uh, this uh, 180 degrees turn that were so it's a different type of innovation you're not trying to buy Altus Consulting necessarily but investing in somebody investing in that product yes takes the investment to another investment you know I I I think what is um I don't know the the opportunity that you guys are speaking of as, as well as you guys do but I think one of the themes that you're touching on also is when something happens very early what it turns into maybe one year two year three years later is often something very different than where it started and that's what really requires a different approach right that's what mm-hmm. requires a different mentality we think again as one of the most prolific investors out there that we want to access that but we realized that to do that we needed to do it in a differentiated way and that's what decibel was on one hand it's bringing together the best of the venture capital world who's used to doing that early stage stuff with the best of a partner like Cisco, right? When you think about the resources, the customers, when you think about all the entrepreneurs and founders that are here as a result of acquisition and what that can bring to the table. Um, that's another example of why Decibel exists and why we're excited about it. That's awesome, dude. I mean, you just see his passion when he's like, ah, oh, his eyes are just like I know I need shiny, to be on video like, like yeah. boom. Yeah, we need to put the video about Cape. Yeah, oh, I just, I just took David's cape for everyone on so that. So speaking of passion, like Podcast. what do you just work all the time? <laughs> what do you do outside of work for? Uh, Don't say sleep, please. Yeah, no. Um, Wake up I'm, at three o'clock in the morning and work know, the, out for an hour if and a if half. I, if, and I had to, if, I, if I had free time or when I do have free time, <laughs> uh, my biggest passion is surfing. I love to surf. Um, surfing's great because of a couple things. One is it puts you in a position to see the rest of the world, right? I mean, the world is covered by how much water? One of you guys knows that. It's probably something like three-fourths of the world's covered with water. I was going to uh, guess 80%. Yeah. Maybe 80%. So almost, similar. you know, you can think of almost any destination that you would go, right? You can go to Brazil. You can go to the Pacific Islands. You can go to Fiji. And guess what? You're in an awesome vacation spot. You're probably in an awesome surf spot as well. And surfing is all about now trying to find that uncharted territory, right? Investing invest in where the new waves are going to be. And that requires you to take some risk. Sometimes you go places not knowing what it's going to be like, right? Sometimes you, know, you find I, something awesome and sometimes you don't. So, so I love in, to surf. Our investment locations picked by their like <laughs> proximity yeah, to good yeah. surf. We have some good opportunities in Fiji. 
Fiji. You know, yeah. like, I, <laughs> I, I really need to get into surfing because every person that's really passionate about surfing, you, you talk to them and they bring metaphors that, you know, I want to be in that state of mind. So you want cool metaphors. Yeah. Want yeah. Cool metaphors? I, I interviewed a guy, Kawasaki, the Apple. Right. Uh, and he was just, that was his passion. I mean, he's retired now, but this comes back uh, with uh, what we were discussing before. What is in your life, you know, out of work that is really driving you in this direction? Because not only your work, I mean, it's just your nature. You see the guy when he's explaining, we cannot see it because it's on audio only, but he's like moving his hands all over and it's just, <laughs> so it's just awesome. Here's, here's where it gets crazy. <laughs> the wave is like the market. Ooh, the wave is there the market. You go. So think about it, think about it. So the surfer has to have the skill you have to have the right equipment. You have to have the right board. Think about that in the startup community. Have to have the right team. That's the person. That's the talent. Got to build the right product. That's the surfboard. But you know what? None of that matters if you don't get the market right. Okay. If you're in the wrong position, if you're behind the market, if you guessed the market that wasn't as big. So in this case, the wave is the market. So not only do you have to have the right team, not only do you have to have the right product, you have to see where that market's going to be and put yourself in a position if it's the right one to be there at the right time. Okay. That was see, you see what I'm talking see. about? The surfer metaphors. <laughs> yeah, that was that's, just, that's much better than the dating analysis. Yeah, like, yeah, that right? was too intense. You're, just gonna, you're gonna get yourself in trouble with those. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to have you here. This has been an awesome interview and well, yeah. Then we can wrap it up. Thank you All for right. joining us. Thank you, everyone. This has been awesome. And uh, here's to another great Cisco Live. All right, thank you. Thank you very much.